what kind of crazy church is this? It ain't the church, it's me. So don't blame the church. Uh-oh. There we go. I'm not going to break it, Mom. <laughs> Can't forget these. I'll add some context here in a minute. <laughs> Those are just object lessons. Huh? For now. All right. I just felt the Lord, despite it being Mother's Day, uh, rather than just a, a traditional message along those lines, uh, the Lord really impressed upon my heart the importance of being sober-minded. And without giving too much of the message away, the opposite of sober is being drunk or intoxicated, <laughs> right? And everybody understands what the typical symptoms are, what you can expect if someone has had a little bit too much strong drink. You can tell, can, can you tell when someone's had a little bit too much? Yeah, all of a sudden they lose their ability to, you know, control their volume. Loud all the time. There's a reason police officers, if they suspect they've been drinking and driving, they'll have them walk, try and walk a straight line because what? Their ability to maintain balance, to be stable to make smart decisions is impaired, right? And I, I believe that, that there are more things than just alcohol that have that effect on us. Amen? And, and we're going to go into that as we go on through the message today. First uh, Peter 5, I'm going to read uh, several passages before we, and, and then read some definitions, and then we'll uh, get into the meat of it. The first passage I want to, want to read, First Peter 5, uh, verses 5 through 11. Feels awkward, I don't have my iPad up here today. <laughs> and it says, starting at the fifth verse, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Uh, one of those things that can intoxicate us is pride. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, say, because. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because. Say it again, because. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So there's even a practical element to this. Be sober. Be aware. Be alert. Don't allow your perception to be impaired to the point where you could be easy prey for the devil's wiles, for the devil's schemes, for the devil's intents and his own purposes for your life. Does that make sense? Resist him. 
steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There is this perception a lot of times that you need to be intoxicated to have fun. You need to be intoxicated to enjoy life. That's the message with the beer commercials and the, the, the most interesting man in the world is just living it up. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer Dos Equis. You know, and he's doing all these amazing things. He's the most interesting man in the world. But you know, what often doesn't get portrayed are the after effects. You know, it doesn't often get portrayed. A lot of times you make dumb, stupid choices. When we're intoxicated, just thinking about the strong drink, you know, how many dumb decisions have been made by consuming too much of that? Uh, present company included. I'm not standing on a high horse here. I look back over my life and was like, gosh, what was I thinking? But the problem was I wasn't. All right? The thinking was impaired because I was intoxicated. First Peter 1, verses 13 through 16 says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Say all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. To me, it's pretty obvious that in both of these passages, sober doesn't mean just don't get drunk on wine. Don't get drunk on strong drink. Be alert. Have all your faculties on full alert, fully functioning. Don't allow yourself to be impaired in any way. Don't allow fear to impair you in your walk of faith. Don't allow pride to impair you in your walk of faith. Don't be intoxicated with the pursuit of glory, personal glory. Don't be intoxicated with the pursuit of riches. Don't be intoxicated with lust. Because once you become consumed by them, your brain, your thinking, your attitudes, your behaviors become seriously impaired and choices are made that have serious destructive consequences. Titus chapter 2. Verses 11 through 15. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lusts, we should live soberly. Say that word with me, soberly. righteously and godly in the present age. Now, the fact that it lists all three of them separately doesn't mean you just lump soberly in with righteously. All right, with, 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 with righteously. So 
you need to be sober-minded. Our mind, that's part of the mind being renewed. Soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Not just looking for the sweet by and by, but in the present age where we can make a difference, where we can be a light, but we can have an impact on our generation. Amen? Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. I want to be zealous for good works all the time. Amen? I don't want to be impaired by crap. Yeah, I'm in church and I use the word crap. My my wife will get on to me later. I'm surprised Brittany didn't say, Dad, you're not supposed to use that word. I don't want to be consumed by nonsense. I don't want to be consumed by mess. I want to be consumed by doing good deeds for the Lord, zealous for good works, zealous to worship him in spirit and in truth, zealous to do those things which please the Lord. Amen? We're down a few definitions. Sober. Apart from the obvious sparing in the use of food and drink, uh, not addicted to intoxicating drink, not drunk. That's one definition. Second one, marked by sedate, which basically means quiet, steady attitude. Marked by sedate or gravely or earnestly thoughtful character or demeanor. You know, okay? So, so you're quiet. You're steady. You're not, you're not, you're not double-minded. You're not tossed by every wind of doctrine. You're not volatile. All right? But we're temperate. We're steady. Quietness of soul. Gravely, which is serious, serious. We give serious thought to matters. We don't just flippantly do things. We don't flippantly enter into things, but we give deep, serious thought about things. That's that's what sober means. An earnestly thoughtful character or demeanor. I bolded that definition because I liked it. I think it I think it fits what I'm talking about here today. And one other, I'm going to skip down to the uh, the sixth definition. It says showing no excessive or extreme qualities of fancy, emotion, or prejudice. You know, I can think about. Uh, uh, you remember when Jesus quieted the storm? All right. There was some extreme emotion displayed by the disciples on that boat, wasn't it? All right? Now, so much so that during the midst of the storm, it impaired their thinking. It impaired their ability to have faith in what Jesus said. Jesus said before they left, let us go over to the other side. You know, how many of you know if Jesus said let's go, you're going to get there? That, that, that's the reality of the situation. You know, he didn't say, let's go and maybe make it over there to the other side. If the weather cooperates, if a storm doesn't come, you know, then we'll get over there. No, he said, let's go. And they're like, all right, Jesus, let's go. They hop in the boat, they're on their way. Then what happens? The storm hits them, and it's, it, and it's so bad, they're fearful for their lives. And guess what? Guess what it did? It took their attention off of what Jesus said. It took their attention off of who he is and the authority that he possesses and the power that is in him. And it put their attention squarely on the circumstance. 
And it over what they became intoxicated in that situation right out of their spiritual minds. And it, it might not be a storm while you're in the water, but we have similar circumstances in our lives or, or circumstances in our lives that do the same thing to us. That get us so afraid. That get us so angry. That get us so bitter that we're in, we become intoxicated with those emotions to the point that we can't walk in faith with the Lord. We're hung up. We can't get past what happened to us five years ago. Not that it is not serious, it is. But he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There, there, there is power in the name of Jesus. And a lot of times, we are not free. We're, we have not broken the chains because we have not chosen to. What do I mean by that? You know, somebody offends me. I'm angry. I'm holding on to unforgiveness. That can bring a lot of, that, that, that hatred, that anger, that unforgiveness can bring a lot of emotional issues in my life. It can bring a lot of health issues in my life. And you know what? Those chains can be broken. But I've got to be willing to let that unforgiveness and bitterness go. I've got to be willing to obey my Lord and say, who commanded me to forgive as he forgave me. But sometimes we get so intoxicated with that emotion. We, we get intoxicated because it was such a hurtful thing to us that it takes on a life of itself. All of a sudden, what God said is in the periphery. <laughs> what God said is not foremost in our mind. What's on our mind is what so-and-so did. Then we can't even, to the point to where if they come around us, they're in the same room, in the same building. It has a physiological impact <laughs> on us. We could be worshiping such and such into the sanctuary. All of a sudden, that's, that spigot's cut off. That, that, that's, that's a problem. Be in a good mood. Mention that person's name. Your day is ruined. That ain't that person's problem. That's yours. Right? Jesus tells us to forgive. All right, let, let's uh, let's uh, let's move on. So those are the those are the definitions marked by sedate or gravely or earnestly thoughtful character or demeanor, and showing no excessive or extreme qualities of fancy, emotion, or prejudice. You know, uh, fancy. You know, because we don't use that term anymore. It's like. Like, you know, I, I, I fancy, you know, like I, like I fancy that brother's shirt right there. You know what? I got to go get me one. <laughs> you know? Emotion. A conscious mental reaction. Keyword, subjectively experienced. As strong feeling, usually directed toward a specific object, and typically accompanied by physiological and behavioral changes in the body. If you see somebody get so, hey, you get, you get so angry, you get red in the face, eyes flash. You can tell when somebody's angry, especially if you're married. You can tell if somebody's angry. Usually anger or fear. You know, someone gets someone gets afraid, seriously afraid. You, you don't have to wonder if they are. It's, it's pretty obvious. You know, if someone is sad, you know, uh, uh, really uh, really sad about a, a tragic a tragic occurrence, you know, uh, their their body language tells it. You know, physiological symptoms. They, there's crying. There's red eyes. There's tears.
prejudice. These are all areas that I'm hoping you're taking to heart, and I just trust in the Lord that whatever area applies to you is really going to resonate with you. Uh, prejudice. A preconceived judgment or opinion. An adverse opinion or leaning formed without just grounds or before sufficient knowledge is obtained. You ever heard the expression, don't judge a book by its cover? You know, and we all have strong opinions. We all have strong beliefs. But if we hold on to certain opinions, regardless of new information that ought to change that opinion, all right, then we're just being donkeys at that point. We're just, we're just being stubborn mules at that point. All right? You know, we, we, we ought to be people whose opinions are informed. All right? You know, we see a news story, and all of a sudden, you know, all we've seen is about 15 seconds of it, and we've already formed an opinion without the facts. We're prejudiced. You know, prejudice isn't just a racial thing. We can be prejudiced against a lot of things. You know? We're prejudiced against the truth of the gospel till it becomes real to us. Amen? Till the truth becomes known to us. Amen? Uh, also, uh, second definition of prejudice, an irrational attitude of hostility directed against an individual, a group, a race, or their supposed characteristics. That's the one we're more familiar with. But, but, but that first one opens up the door. It really broadens the definition to cover a lot more than just that. So that gives us a full understanding of that word sober. I mean, it covers emotions. It covers attitudes. It covers thinking. You know, it, it covers wrong thinking. It covers desires. All of that is covered under that definition of sober. So when God is saying he wants us to live soberly, all right? He wants us to live right-minded, right-thinking, right-attitude individuals, giving glory to the Lord in every facet of our lives. Amen? It's not enough just to not be prejudiced toward a certain race or a nationality of people. All right? We need to be those who are submitted to God's truth. intoxicated, just in case you don't know what that means. To excite or stupefy to the point where physical and mental control is markedly diminished. That'll do it. But that ain't the only thing. Pornography will do it too. Right? To excite or relate to the point of enthusiasm, enthusiasm or frenzy. Oh man, by that, by that definition, everybody at every Thunder game, at every Cowboy game, at every Sooner game, we get intoxicated multiple times every game. <laughs> okay, that, that, there's a few exceptions. But, you know, I, I, I'm a sports nut. You know, my background, I've been in sports all my life. and But when you think about it, it's really not that different from being intoxicated. I mean, you know, you got this mob mentality that sometimes breaks out. If you ever seen some of those European soccer or football games and so forth, sometimes there, sometimes a civil war pretty much breaks out in the stands over a game. Uh, was it last year in the playoffs? 
I don't know who shot who, but the Lakers against the uh, Thunder, somebody ended up shot leaving the game. Fans, uh, Lakers fans and Thunder fans got into a fight and gunshots broke out. You know, we can get so excited to the point that our our decision-making ability is impaired and we end up making dumb decisions that affect our lives and become stumbling blocks for others. Can you imagine? Well, we don't have to imagine this happened many times. How many decisions that have been made that were made in a maybe not literal drunken stupor, but the same, the, the, the essentially the same thing. Decisions that were made that not only destroyed a ministry, destroyed a marriage, destroyed a life, but also impacted outside perceptions of the church, outside perceptions of our Savior, of what this thing is all about, hardened the hearts of individuals because we became a stumbling block for them. That wasn't our intent when we did it, but we let our guard down. We came pray for the we became pray for the enemy, and we entered into a, a series of decisions that ended up having just disastrous ripple effects. Amen. You know, I, I thank God that all the potentially devastating decisions that I made, you know, I wasn't in a position for that to really cause the damage that it really would have. You know, so I, I have a soft heart because I know my own failings. I have a soft heart toward those who have made mistakes. I have a soft heart toward those uh, you know, I can look at that person and still love them. I can look at that person and still see the heart of Jesus for that person, you know, because I'm under no illusions, bro. <laughs> I'm under no illusions. I know where I came out of. But I am also a testimony that you can come out. Amen. You know, the power of the cross doesn't just lead to eternal salvation. It leads to salvation from the things that hold us bondage, from the things that hold us, the, 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 the chains that strap us down. We can, be, we can be set free. The things that hindered us, the things that drug us down, we can shuck them off in Jesus' name. And run with Jesus. Another, uh, and this is the definition that really got me set this way, and still talking about it, and intoxication. But that was definition of intoxicate. The definition of intoxicated, affected by, or as if by, alcohol. I like that definition. It's not just affected by alcohol, but al affected by or as if by alcohol. Something that has the same effect. So now I hope y'all know that you can be intoxicated by things other than alcohol or drugs. So Alcohol and drugs don't corner the market on intoxication. I mentioned pornography earlier, and, and you know this this is not a deal on sex or anything like that. But but there is a reason it's a multi-billion-dollar industry. It's intoxicating. Pornography excites or stupefies you to the point where physical and mental control are markedly diminished. Wouldn't you say that? That's intoxication. Uncontrolled lust. 
whether it's directed toward a person or food, drugs, money, power, violence, or, or nice things, will also excite or stupefy you to the point where physical and mental control are markedly diminished. That's intoxication. I know I've already said it, but have you ever wondered how we get to the point where we do the dumbest things, even though deep down we know we shouldn't do them? Intoxication. What do we entertain? Maybe it's because much of the, much of the time we're going through life drunk on attitudes, feelings, and desires, and thoughts that don't honor God. Think about that. You know, what are the things that cause you to drink from the bottle of sin? You might say, hey, preacher, I don't drink. Yeah, but your attitude does. <laughs> your emotions do. Your mind does. We drink in sin all the time. Going back. When someone offends us. You know what the word of God says, but it's, it, but we don't immediately pursue reconciliation and peace. We don't take it to God in prayer. We usually go straight to a place I like to call the attitude bar and grill. We go straight to the bar, sit down and order ourselves a nice strong drink, no, a nice strong shot of anger. Then we down that shot. Bartender, give me another. Now we're twice as angry. A little longer, after a little longer, we think more long, we think more and more about what so and so did. All of a sudden, taking it by the shot is too slow. Bartender, give me the bottle. I'm going to be here a while. I'm going to marinate in this thing a little bit. Ain't that the truth? The whole time, there's this still, small voice talking to us, telling us each step of the way not to do what we're tempted to do. And we just steamroll right past it because the emotions are, hey, the, the emotions are running hot. The emotions are in control right now. I can ask for forgiveness later. God is good. <clears throat> Guess what happens the next time we see the person that offended us? Forget that. Guess what happens the next time we hear their name? We end up so drunk with anger, we're incapable of being sober-minded concerning that person. Does that make sense? How about fear, worry, anxiety? Well, instead of looking to God's word for how to handle those emotions, we usually end up at what I call emotions pub. That's a bar too. We've been going there for years. The, part, the bartender there knows us very well. He mixes up our favorite cocktail as soon as he sees us come through the door. A little fear, a little worry, a little anxiety, a little doubt, a little unbelief. Shaken, not stirred. It's basically a Long Island tea 
the Long Island iced tea of emotional sin. We drink the first one just to take the edge off. Then one leads to two, which leads to three. Next thing you know, you're intoxicated on a set of emotions to the point where you can't even think straight. I'm locked up. Can't even cry out to God and get the help that is so available to us because we're intoxicated. Diminished in our thinking. Let's get back to the word because I'm starting to wind down. Ephesians 2. Hallelujah. How many of you know God wants us to sober up? It's time to stop drinking. Uh, Verses 4 through 10. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. And here we go. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Skip over to Ephesians chapter 4. I have quite a few scriptures, so I'll go through them and just kind of wrap them up. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read a lot of this one. Starting with the first three verses. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of of the calling with which you were called. And that's really what we're talking about right here. You know, not just be satisfied with the salvation that we know we have in Christ, but to have such fear, a holy reverent fear toward God, such a love for him, such an appreciation of what he did, that we want to walk worthy. Amen? That we want to walk worthy of the calling in which we've been called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. How many of you know that means we're going to rub each other the wrong way a few times? I'm going to forget about some important dates every once in a while. I'm going to misspeak, you know, and probably say something that I should have been more sensitive to around you. You know, you know, sometimes that's going to happen. And when that happens and we're the one on the, on the end of being offended, how are we going to handle that? Or are, are we going to give the person the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what, I've got a relationship with such and such. You know, I know that person wouldn't do that on purpose and so forth. But, you know, I'm going to honor God in this and I'm going to approach my brother and let him know, I'm a, you know, what you said offended me. You know, I don't know if you noticed that and so forth. So we can get a chance to go through. You know, give them a chance to repent. Oh, brother, I didn't know, man. I wasn't even thinking. You're right. I'm sorry about that. So that reconciliation and peace and unity can be maintained. Which is just as powerful of a witness of the work of Christ in us as anything else. Amen? Anybody can cop an attitude.
But by this shall the world know that you are my disciples, that you have love toward one another. You don't stoop to the standard of the world. You rise to the standard of God's word. And that way it speaks to people. Oh, man. You know, especially if they know your history. Boy, I would have been bent out of shape on that. How is it? How is it that Brother Turner could respond with such grace? How, how is it? Can he respond with love and understanding in that situation? Man, that spoke to me. You know, there's an option. You, you, you don't know what will speak to those who don't know the Lord. You don't know what they're observing, but they're observing. What are they seeing? Not just in the big stuff that we all like to pay attention to. But what about the subtle things? The character, the integrity. They may not, they, they don't get all the glam and glitz, but they speak the loudest. You know, someone could be observing Johnny. He could be under all kinds of unbearable pressure, and yet the grace of God is on him. And somebody's looking at him, and they're observing. And they're like, oh, my gosh, look at the dignity. Look at the grace. Look at the calmness that he has in the face of this incredible adversity. I would be losing my mind. What, how is he able to do it? That could lead to a witnessing opportunity. Amen? Because he's sedate. He's sober in the moment. Does that make sense, y'all? All right, where was I? All right. With lowliness, uh, verse 2, with, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I tell my... I, I tell my daughters, this is one of the scriptures I give to them all the time, you know, because if you're a parent, you know there's going to be bickering, there's going to be sibling conflict, sometimes sibling war. And I hear them sometimes, and I, you know, and I, I hear them, and I can hear them arguing and bickering back and forth, and they're getting nowhere. It's just disintegrating. And so every once in a while, I have to sit them down and and, 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 I'll, and I'll give them a scripture, and this is one of the ones I give them most. You know what? Endeavor to keep the unity in the spirit, in the, of the spirit and the bond of peace. You know, in the way that you conduct yourselves in one another, let that be your undergirding motive. You know, let that be the thing that you're striving for. Because you're sisters, there's a bond. You know, there's a unity there. All right? So when you conduct yourself, even through conflict, let there be a pursuit of unity and the bond of peace. Amen? All right, I better, I better move on. Uh, down to verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, intoxication, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling had given themselves over to lewdness to all uncleanness and greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your rest. So you can be angry without sinning. So anger in itself is not a sin, but it can become one if we get intoxicated with it. Uh, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So that tells me 
I'm supposed to, uh, all, with all that I can, I'm supposed to get that thing dealt with that day. If at all possible. I don't put it out till tomorrow. I don't get around to it when I can. This is important. Now we have a, um, what do you call those? Uh, we have a um, precedent, you know, it's established. Hey, don't let the sun go down on your ass. All right? Get, deal with it. Get before the Lord. If you need to set yourself apart and, and, and have a worship service uh, all by yourself, whatever you need to do, you need to pursue uh, the notion of getting yourself to a place where you can obey God in that matter. Don't just settle where you are, but be moving toward obedience in the Lord. Uh, and that's an, and notice it also says, nor give place to the devil. So you give the devil an opportunity to work. And he'll keep passing you another shot as long as you're open to it. Let him who steals steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may be, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. These are the areas where we normally kind of let slide. We let them slip. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you. That tells me it's possible. It's doable. There's power in that name. Amen? Let it be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one, to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we even have the, the precedent. Okay, how should I forgive? Well, what, what standard am I held to? Same standard that Jesus had towards you. We get all bent out of shape. Hey, you, you fooled me once, shame on you. You fooled me twice, shame on me. You don't get a third time. Yet, we're the same people who still struggle with the same sin over and over and over again, and we are going to God, as we should, asking for forgiveness over and over and over again. So, we want God to forgive us each time until we get it right, but then we don't want to show the God kind of forgiveness to everybody else. And I want to finish up in Ephesians 5, starting at verse 15. So, last passage I'll go over. Ephesians 5, Verse 15. Kind of sum it up. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Redeeming the time. Making the most of every opportunity. Redeeming the time. You can't do that when you're intoxicated. By whatever it is you're intoxicated by. Therefore, verse 17, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That gets lost in translation when we're intoxicated. And do not be drunk with wine. Insert all those other things that I've mentioned. Wine or whatever it is that intoxicates you and gets you out of your spiritual mind. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's something that, you know, I, I can't say it enough. You know, it's not the only time it says giving thanks, uh, that we should give thanks for all things to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have this funny way of thinking that the good that happens, what I perceive to be good, hallelujah, praise Jesus, Lord, I thank you for that. But what I perceive to not be good, get thee behind me, Satan. It could not be God. God would not allow me to go through these things. He wouldn't allow me to go through difficulty. He know I can't stand that person. Why? Why did, why did he let that person be the next cubicle over? I prayed for that not to happen. Could it be that God knows that you need that person next to you? All right? Because there is a character flaw. There's an attitude that needs to be matured. And you know what? He's going to use that person to help you grow up. (laughs) You might not see it at the time, but just in case you don't have the full revelation, We better develop a heart that says, thank you, Lord. You know, I don't understand it. I don't know why this is the case. But you know what? I put my trust in you. This situation is under your control. Whatever and however you're working in this situation, thank you, Lord. I am ready to obey. Again, one of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 139. Verses 23 and 24, and it says, search me, O Lord, and know my thoughts. You know, try me and know my wicked ways. You know, and it, and it basically, it says, basically that scripture is saying, reveal me to me. Just, just dredge up all that mess. Dredge up, bring to the surface all those ungodly attitudes in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. That's the attitude we need to have in those situations. That's a sober attitude. You know, we're not, you know, we're not up and down based on the circumstances because we recognize who's running the whole show. And we recognize that it's not our will, but his. Just like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hey, this is what I, you know what, this is how I like for it to go. If there's another way, You know, I'd like to go behind door number two if that's an option. But if it's not, then it's not about what I want, Father. It's about what you want. And I'll go through door number one for you. Amen? So it's time to stop drinking from the bottle. And I think we know we're not just talking about alcohol anymore. Consider this the morning after your drunken stupor. Consider this the pot of coffee (laughs) that you're drinking to sober up. And I know, just in in, in closing, I know, you know, a lot of times, you know, that may be easier said than done. But, again, you know, I I love it when Greg says it because I'm a a Star Wars guy too. You know, at some point, you know, we we just got to, you know, we we just got to recall the words of Yoda. You know? (laughs) We, we, we can't have a try mentality. We got to have a do mentality. 
Because we're expected to be doers of the word of God. You know, and Yoda says, hey, you know, do or do not. There is no try. You know, I'm not sure if he was a Christian or not. But it. (laughs) You know, but he basically says, hey, you either do or you don't. All right. (laughs) So. So. Since we are called to be doers of God's word, you know, we have to, if we're not there, we need to be pursuing. With no highway option, it's the only option is to be in line with God. The only option is to be pleasing to God. The only option is to be obedient to God. And by God's grace, I'm getting there. Don't give up. Don't get intoxicated with whatever situation you're bound in. Don't get intoxicated by wrong thinking and so forth. Let that mind be renewed by what the word of God says. So that you can be strengthened and you can stand up. All right. And that quicksand that Candy talked about, you know, some of you, it's time to get prostrate. It's time to, it's time to, to, to lay that thing down. How many of you have ever traveled internationally? You know? You traveled internationally, man. If you ever have you ever people watched? You see people, some of them are loaded down like the clampets. Trying to carry five, six big pieces of luggage and everything. And then you see the smart ones who have been there before, they have some kind of uh, what do you call those baggage handlers or something? You know? They have the baggage handlers, they've got the little rack on wheels and everybody, you know, and they're just walking. They're like, you know, they're not sweating and about to die like the other people are. You know, and there's a, there's an analogy, there's a picture in my mind in that that, sa- that says we don't want to be like the first people with the baggage that is in our lives. We don't want to try to be, we don't want to try and carry that burden on our own. You know, I, I want to encourage you to let the Lord be your baggage handler. I want to encourage you not to not to load yourself down and try to and try to bear a weight that you'll never be able to bear. Jesus died so you wouldn't have to. So whatever emotions you're locked up in, okay, what what whatever character issue you you're wrapped up in, whatever pain, whatever it is that has been the thing that has intoxicated you, that baggage that you are loading around with you through life that's hindering your ability to walk free in the Lord. It's time to let the Lord carry that bag. It's time for you to cast it at his feet. It's time for you to sober up and give your baggage to the Lord. Amen. I'm going to, there may be someone here, and and I'm done, guys, back there. There may be some, some here who needs to give some baggage to the Lord. I saw there were some some people uh, making use of the prayer teams this morning, and I praise God for that, that you acted. And allow the Lord to minister to you the way he wanted to. If you can uh, play, uh, find a track and, and, and play it softly back there, brother, I'd appreciate it. But I want to give you an opportunity. Today. To bring your baggage to the Lord. To just come up to the front. It'll just be you and him. You know, I'm not going to give you the mic and, and have you announce it to the, to the congregation what it is. I just want you to do that act of faith. Just come up and say, Lord, you know, this attitude has been a bondage to me 
long enough. I let it go. The root of this attitude has been, has, has had me chained for so long. That bitterness, that unforgiveness that I've held towards individual X, Y, or Z. And Lord, I don't want these chains in my life anymore. And I'm not ashamed of who's looking. I'm not ashamed of who sees me. I'm not ashamed of anyone who hears me. I'm going to come up to you because it's just you and me, Lord. And I'm letting it go. I'm giving you my baggage. Letting you be my baggage handler. So I can draw nigh to you. If that's you, if, if that's you, why don't you just come up to the front and just have a moment with the Lord just between you and him. Hallelujah. And that same cross that gives those who, who will come up today the privilege of doing that. That same cross, that same Jesus died for anyone here who doesn't know him. If you're not certain of your eternal destination, if you're, if you're not certain of what happens after death, if you're not certain of your spiritual situation, of who Jesus is, what he did for you, why he did it, what it means to you, then I want you to come up here and see me. I would love the opportunity to share the gospel with you. That you might be reconciled to your heavenly father who loves you, who created you, who gave his beloved son for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I would ask those who Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I give a good witness to that, brother. Hallelujah. There may be those of you today who have been crying out to God and who has been praying and who have had people pray for you for healing. I don't know what the conditions are, but you know who you are. You've been praying for healing, and healing has not come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you and exhort you strongly that the stumbling block that may be in the way lies exactly in what I'm preaching today. That bitterness and unforgiveness that you may hold towards someone may be, a, may be a hindrance to your receiving what God has for you. That intoxication, whatever it is, that has got you thinking, stinking thinking, that's got you thinking wrong-headed, that's got you thinking in doubt, fear, and unbelief rather than thinking in faith. The judgments that you may have had toward others or toward God or toward even yourself. It's time for you to stop drinking the nonsense. Stop drinking the mess. 
the mess that warps the picture of the cross in your mind. The mess that warps the picture of salvation that you have in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. It's time to get real and make up our minds and set our hearts to just do what the Lord tells us to do. How he tells us to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.